Tracks on my neck, doesn't come in. I'm a pretty boy, I'm stunning. Super speed sonic, I'm running. Super, super, super speed sonic. I'm What's good, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the franchise. Uh, today, I'm finally alone after the first time in a long time. Uh, we're trying to get back on track here at a more consistent pace after uh, after that COVID situation earlier in last month, but we're back, so I'm going to cover a little bit of everything today, like a normal schedule. There's a, there's a lot to talk about. You know, I, I haven't checked in on the Red Sox and the Bruins and the Celtics for a little bit, and the Patriots just got through with their draft a couple days ago, the complete seven-round draft selection process. So we'll we'll talk about all that. But I'm going to start off with the Red Sox. So they they um I don't know. <laughs> I the, the last video I did talking about them with George when he was my guest was, you know, I kind of mentioned how they're they're going to be like that girl that reels you back in every once in a while and just disappoints you after getting you all hyped up with that hey text, that notification that comes in. Not to repeat myself, but you know, just to put a picture on for you guys and uh it's kind of seeming that way right now you know they I was I was happy with the direction they were going in and I, I don't want to hit full panic button I, I, you know it's really still really early in the season I said it's not really until late this month in May and like mid-June that you really late June you really get to see where the playoff teams are are coming together and who's going to be there at the end probably unless you know there's a complete collapse so there's still time. There could still be trades made. There could still be prospects called up. You never know. Chris Sale could still come back and just, you know, light the league on fire with his pitching. We, we don't know. We, we really don't know yet. But for now, it was a pretty disappointing four-game series a, a weekend for the, for the Red Sox. They visited the Texas Rangers, who, it, for anyone that hasn't watched baseball since, I don't know, 20... 13, 2014, they're no good anymore. So, you know, they're a top five pick in the draft this year. After last year's record, obviously the Red Sox are too, but the Red Sox are definitely a, a better overall team than Texas. And they lost three of the four games to the Rangers. I know, again, they were on the road, but this is a team that you should at least win three of four, like the other way around, or at the very least, split the series because, you know, it's on the road. So, you know, like I said, there's no panic button to be pressed yet But because they, they swept the Mets. They had a good series against the Mets. It wasn't high scoring, but they they swept them in the two-game series. They played them later on here this year. But then you look back even further, and they lost three or four to the Mariners, who are, again, you know, they've been a little bit of a surprise this year. That's another team, and this is at home, not even on the road, and they, they lost three or four to another team that should you should, at the very least, split the series two to two with. So it's, it's baseball. There's a lot of games, and it's a full year this year. I just, I don't want to be right with what I said uh, last time when I talked about them. I, I really don't. You know, we're we're starting to get a little further away from that good feeling of that nine game winning winning streak. So it's just let's not let's not make this a, a, a trend with the Red Sox. You know, I, and they have 
a really easy schedule coming up right now. Realistically, I could have told you that over a week ago that the schedule was pretty easy because, you know, looking forward to the Mariners and the, the Mets are always like, they always do things that the Mets do. Even if they're a good team and have a good roster, they always figure out a way to lose, it seems like. And then you have the Rangers, obviously. But So, yeah, I could have told you that a week ago. But if, if they can turn it around and win most of the games in the next two series, they got a three-game series with the with the Tigers and the Orioles. The Tigers are at home, and or the Red Sox are home against the Tigers and they're on the road against Baltimore. Those are two teams that are going to be the, you know, top one to six, top six picks. So, so like, you know, Detroit was the number one overall pick last year. Orioles were the number overall pick two years ago. These teams are at the bottom. These are teams where it's six games overall. At the least, the Red Sox should be winning four of those six games. You know, it's not the NBA. It, it, these games, for the most part, aren't for sure wins, losses. It happens. Things happen. But you shouldn't be losing three or four to bottom of the barrel, barely there team. Yeah, the stadium in Texas is full, but that's Texas. It's not for any other reason. They don't care. So you shouldn't be losing to teams like that. Then you have the the... the Athletics and the Angels. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but the, those teams are a little bit better at least than the teams you just really didn't do a good job of beating. So that's something to keep in mind, something to figure out. Not going to get in any like transactions or trades or anything possible like that yet. We're a long way from that end of July. So <laughs> when it's midsummer, you can uh, check in with that. But I'm not going to talk about that just yet. You never know. Something could happen. The Red Sox do have a few prospects. So if they feel like they're winning, who knows? I don't know what Bloom is, is planning to do with this team just yet. So J.D. Martinez is killing it. Bogarts is starting to pick it up. These th- That's what you need. You need these guys to, to step up, these new leaders of the team. Anyways, moving on to the Bruins. So they've been... They've been a little better. <laughs> and when I say a little, it's just way more consistent. Ever since the trade, the trade deadline, uh, Taylor Hall, Mike Riley, these guys have been really stepping up, especially Taylor Hall. You know, he he had two goals coming in. I, I don't know his, his exact amount right now. I think he might be up to like eight or nine on, on the season now since he got traded here, which is crazy. It's something around there. So... Their last few games, they've been playing the Sabres a lot just because of a lot of COVID postponements from earlier in the season. But, I mean, I'm looking back at earlier in the month when I wasn't able to do some videos, even late last month in March. You, let's start at March 27th. You beat the Sabres, beat the, or lose the Devils, which they've had your number. Beat the Devils, beat the Penguins beat the Penguins again, beat the Flyers, beat the Flyers again, beat the Capitals, lose to the Flyers, destroy the Capitals, beat the Sabres, beat the Islanders who we had trouble with, beat them again, beat the Capitals, beat the Sabres, beat the Sabres, beat the Sabres back to back to back, beat the Penguins back to back, beat the Sabres again back to back. And now as of this recording, you play this, you play the Devils who, like I said, you've had trouble with for some strange reason, 
back-to-back nights tonight and tomorrow night, back-to-back games, actually. A lot of back-to-backs being said in this statement. But I don't know if you heard me correctly, but there was a lot of wins in there. You only had, like, a couple losses since, like, since late March, which is insane. So clearly something has gone right. What, what I had been asking for on videos earlier in this year where the trade deadline was coming around and it was time to make trades, it's like they did exactly what, what they needed to do, what I was saying they needed to do, and it's worked out swimmingly. I'm, like, I'm not going to say like it's, it's on me. <laughs> no one's listening to me, but I'm glad that they did. We, we know what we're talking about around here, and I'm glad that they're, they're doing well. Obviously, I'm a Bruins fan. So, and, and this is the time of the year. It's also different because of a COVID year. Again, it's a shortened season and the playoffs are going to start at a different time. The season's going to end at a different time. But this is, a, this is the part of the year when, when teams really start picking it up and getting hot. And if they bring that into the playoffs, they can be almost unbeatable at times. And uh, Jake Swayman is just killing it I, I think everyone should be extremely excited for the future of the Boston Brewing Boston Bruin goaltending situation kids 22 years old that's that's crazy he's he's one of the top goalie prospects in the league for a reason he's showing it and if him him and Tuca can uh can figure something out here a nice little combination for the end of the year because they don't have too many games left I know the Celtics probably have even less, but so there's six games left in the season for the Bruins, the regular season. These two games against the Devils, two games against the Rangers, the Islanders, or one game against the Islanders, and uh, the final game of the season against the Capitals on May 11th. So that's, that's in a week, just about. That's crazy. So the regular season is almost done. They can carry this momentum. And these are some teams they've had trouble with. The Devils, the Islanders, Capitals, forever. So if they can if they can figure this out and continue to bring this formula on the ice night in and night out and just attack these teams, whether that it's a 2-1 to one win or one nothing win or an 8-2 to two win, you, you got to do what needs to be done. And they, they seem to be the hottest team in Boston that's currently playing right now. So all aboard the Bruin bandwagon. I know, I know we're all like that around here. A lot of us, you know, we all have our own sport that we like, mostly the Celtics. But as soon as one of these teams starts doing well t- around playoff time, everyone hops in. So I'm calling it right now. If you want to hop on the Bruins bandwagon, Go ahead, by all means. I'm not going to complain. I love it. <laughs> I love when people come out of the woodworks to cheer for these teams. I won't call you out. We need it. All right, go Bruins. Another team that's nearing the end of their regular season. Soon we're only going to have the Red Sox. I know people hate only having baseball around for a little bit of the year, but these uh, regular seasons are coming to an end really soon. So the Red Sox... I'm sorry, the Celtics, the Red Sox. I'm talking about the Red Sox too much. The Celtics are just, I don't want to say driving me crazy, but they're just, the Celtics, the Celtics are just all over the place right now, honestly. I, uh, 
just looking at what they're doing right now, I know they're trying to get fully healthy at the same time as like basically trying to save their season, but you're losing. uh, And again, I'm going to go back just like, just like the Bruins. I'm not going to go as far back, but you know, early last month, you beat the T-Wolves, you beat the Nuggets, you beat the Blazers, you beat the Lakers, you beat the Warriors. That's that's a nice little run they were on. You had previously beaten the Knicks before that. But then you go ahead and, and lose at home to the Chicago Bulls, who are just not a good team. You beat the Suns, which is a that's a great team. Then you lose to the Nets, you get destroyed by the Hornets, you lose to the Thunder. You can't be losing games to teams like the the OKC Thunder. That's just that's just awful. You come back, you beat the Hornets. You have that great OT game with the Spurs where Tatum drops 60. But then you come back the next game and you lose to the Blazers by 10 because of some late game errors. You know, Marcus Smart gets ejected. The, the Jays run into each other. Not a great look. And what I'm thinking this whole time is where's Kemba Walker? You know, he, again, he, he had a great game, a few, I forget, I guess who it was exactly, but he had a great game. They they probably won because of the way he was scoring one of those games in that like win streak there, but he can't play last night. And like I just said, with the Bruins, they, they don't have a lot of games left in regular season. Celtics have pretty much the same amount, seven games. They finish, they finish five days after the Bruins' regular season finishes. So, <laughs> you know, it's just like, and they have, the, I'd say they have an easy, pretty easy schedule. Not not the easiest. You play the Heat a couple times at home back-to-back and the Knicks at the end of the season, but you still have the Cavs, T-Wolves, Magic, and Bulls. These are all teams that are going to be picking in the top eight probably. So you should be able to handle them. But going back to Kemba Walker, it's like this guy can't play last game. That might have been the difference maker, especially with with Smart getting ejected. You cannot mark a Smart starting in point guard consistently, man. Like maybe shooting guard, but it just it feels like he's either winning you the game with some of these plays or he's losing you the game with some of these outbursts and these random behind-the-back passes with, like, 30 seconds left and you're down two. It's like, what's going on? I've seen it. I've seen it this year. It's crazy. But Kemba, you know, and I've been saying this, I've been trying to save it for, for a video like this, but, or a podcast in general like this, but I've been telling people, it's like, if you can't play back-to-backs at this point yet, what are we doing? Maybe you came back too soon, back early when the season started in, in, uh, in late December, early January, when you came back or mid to late January. You took your time to come back. They clearly needed you, but and I, if you can't play back-to-backs at this point, we're, how many games in are we right now? Like, we're almost at the end of the season. It's like 60, this is 60 games, I think. They're, they're only playing 72 games this year, and I just said they have 11 games left, so it's 61 games they, they've played now, and he still can't play back-to-back games, and his knee's still bugging him. Which is fair. Like, I, I can't knock a guy for still being injured. Like, you hate to see it. It sucks. But did you force yourself to come back a little too soon, maybe? Don't you, you think? Like, I don't know. 
this is a guy that's making over $30 million a year. He's supposed to be your third best player at this point. Was supposed to be your probably your second best player. And he can't play back-to-back games. And he's your point guard on top of it. He scores. He's supposed to score over 20 points a game for you on any given night. And sometimes when he does play, he shoots like 8 of 25. And it drives everyone crazy. So I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. I don't know what this guy. If they're saving him for the playoffs, you kind of have to get there first, don't you? Like 100% you have to be in the playoffs. You can't save a guy for the playoffs if you're not in the playoffs. So I don't know what the deal is with him. But if they do make the playoffs, I know you know, I'm not expecting much. They might make it to the second round, maybe, and I highly doubt that, especially if they're a six seed or lower. You kind of have to be, the Celtics kind of have to be the four or five seed at this point if they have any chance of moving on to the next round. You, you, you're hoping for the Knicks or the Hawks. But if you end up playing the, the Nets, Sixers, or Bucks, I don't even know if they make it past five games in the first round. But if they do make it there, and this guy still can't play back-to-back games, what was the point of even... I, I really don't see the point of bringing him around. You might as well have just designated him out for the season and applied for one of those uh, injured player bonuses where you can get like $7 million and sign someone or something or trade for someone. It makes no sense. And then the Evan Fournier trade still makes no sense if they if if he can't play and they can't do anything. So... This team is just back and forth. And then last night against the Blazers at home, I know the last game was really emotional. You come back, huge comeback, one of the biggest comebacks, and Tatum drops 60, ties Larry Bird's record and all that. But then last night, he's he's doing his thing. He scores. He's scoring again. And then Jalen Brown's shooting like 8 of 21. And it's like it's another one of those games where you're looking at it and thinking to yourself, why can't they do this together? like on any given night. Why does one have to go off and the other one's just bricking everything? It makes no sense. Why does why does one have to suffer for the gain of the other on some nights? Every once in a while it happens. It's okay. I'm sure it, I I don't pay attention to Lakers and games and whatever. I'm sure it happens with AD and LeBron. I'm sure it's happened with other duos before all over the you know the history of the NBA where one guy goes off and the other one takes a back seat sometimes, but most of the time they're both doing their thing on a consistent basis. So there's been a lot of talk. If you have to pick one, you you taking Tatum or Brown. I'm taking Tatum. I'm pretty sure 98% of the people that you ask would take Tatum if you had to stick with one and, and trade the other for something. I, I don't want to, again, I'm not trying to push the panic button and, and freak out here, but they're they're, they're driving me crazy with that, not being able to to play well on the same night like that. It's really a tough scene when you when you really sit down and watch these games and follow the statistics. I hate seeing it. All the more when Kemba Walker isn't there and Marcus Smart's getting thrown out. Now you have Peyton Pritchard, Evan Fournier, and Tristan Thompson. Sick. What are you doing, Grant Williams? Grant Williams, what are you doing? What are you doing, Grant Williams? <laughs> I can't stand him anymore. I'm sorry. He's just so goofy out there. He reminds me of some people I've played basketball with, just walking around with his posture and everything, but I can't stand it. He, like, he seems like a good guy, but 
I can't. I can't deal with it anymore. I, I honestly would have been happier if they kept uh, Wagner, Moritz Wagner, my boy, instead of Grant Williams at this point. <laughs> really. Where's Jabari Parker? Where has he been? He started off great. I love Jabari Parker. I love that signing. I, haven't, I don't think I've talked about that yet. Where's Jabari Parker at? <laughs> Let me see. What do you do? I'm going to go back and try to see if I can find the stats. I don't even know. Jabari Parker. I didn't, didn't even, he didn't even play last night. I, I didn't see him. What's going on here? Where's Jabari Parker? <laughs> I need more Jabari Parker on this team. Please, Brad Stevens. Aaron Neesmith, great. He had a great game against the Spurs. I don't think he's uh, consistent enough yet to do that on a nightly basis. Where's Romeo Langford? W what are these guys doing? The back-to-back -back 14th overall picks. The Celtics were one pick away from Tyler Hero and Tyrese Halliburton coming off the bench on this team. Back-to-back -back years, they got taken the pick before them twice. That drives me crazy. I know there's nothing you can do about it besides trading up for once. But imagine on this team, not to go off on a tangent, but like, you know, On the backup guard spots, or even starting, and you have Smart off the bench, whatever order you want, it doesn't even matter at that point. You have Kemba, whenever he can play, and Smart. You don't even have to trade for Fournier at that point. You have Halliburton and and Hero at the one and two off the bench. That'd be insane. That's the shooting that you want. That's the shooting that this team wants from from behind the three point line, on a nightly basis. This team lives and dies by the three pointer. That's why they didn't trade for a center. And they traded for a guard. And you need Kemba, who can shoot, but doesn't play. When they're hitting the three, they can beat almost anyone, I'm convinced. At least maybe besides the Nets, maybe the Lakers, when they're fully healthy. You can beat almost anyone in this league. When the threes are falling and Tatum scoring over 30 points and Jalen scoring 20 points, whenever that's happening, it's, you haven't seen it a lot. But when they're not hitting the threes, you lose to teams like OKC, who was on a 14-game losing streak and snapped it against you when you were home, not even going to OKC. Or were they, were they on? I don't even know. I, I can't even keep up anymore. It's just so disappointing. I'm pretty sure they were the Celtics were home. I'll find that in a second. <laughs> yep, Celtics were home. Oh, that was on my birthday. Awesome. Thanks, Celtics. Really appreciate that one. <laughs> At home on my birthday, lose to the Thunder. 14-game losing streak snapped. What are you doing? That's the team you can lose by if you're not hitting, or lose to if you're not hitting the three. Live and die by the three, which is a horrible way to play. I know the three-pointer's huge in, uh, in today's NBA, but not everyone's Steph Curry, unfortunately. I wish. They, I'm sure they wish, too. Oh, speaking of which, I don't know when I talked about this. Maybe it was with George. I think it was with the last video when we, um, when Jamal Murray went down. We were talking about MVP, and I, I was saying Jokic, and I, I remember George said he, he hated that. And I was like, just watch. They're going to continue to do what they do without Murray for at least the regular season, and they're all going to point to Jokic. Look what he's doing with this team. They're 9-1 and one in their last 10 without Jamal Murray. Jokic is the MVP. That, just that right there. They're going to give it to him. Whether you like it or not, I, I'm, again, I'm indifferent. They could give it to anyone at this point. I'll, I'll respect it. But it's going to be him. Big white foreign center without his 
tag team partner, his number two, who scores over 20 points a game and was a top six, seven in defensive player of the year on the wing. They're giving him MVP. He's carrying that team on his back right now. He, he probably deserves it at this point, I'd say. That's a, tough, that's a tough conference to do that in. Keeping the Lakers down like that, uh, you know, below you. They were nipping at their heels even without their top two players, the Lakers. And the Blazers were right there too and the Mavericks. They're all right there. And the Nuggets are keeping them all down. So credit to him. MVP, Nikola Jokic. That's it. Give it to him now. 11 games left. All right. Patriots. Come on, Celtics. Let's blow our heads out of our asses, please. Oh my God. I'm sick of it. I, I don't know what to expect anymore. Patriots. Draft. We did a draft review. I had them not taking Mac Jones. So it was a little complicated for anyone that saw that video or watched or whatever, listened to the podcast and whatnot. I had Mac Jones going 19 to the Washington football team. Now, in this mock draft, there were no trades. I don't have time to predict trades. It goes, it's crazy, some of these trades. You can, you can kind of tell which teams are more likely to trade up, especially when a quarterback is involved. The Bears, the 49ers beforehand. But there was, after the, the ninth pick, starting with the 10th pick, there were a lot of first-round trades, trade-ups and trade-backs. You know, you had the Eagles trade-up. They took Devontae Smith. You had the Cowboys trade-back in that deal. The next pick, the Giants were the ones that trade-back with the Bears. The Giants never trade-back, or well, at least Dave Gettleman never trades-back. That was the whole narrative for that team. And he does it for the first time, I think, ever, at least in the first round. And the Bears gave up a haul and went and got... Justin Fields. Micah Parsons falls at 12. The Vikings trade back with the Jets. There was a lot of trade-ups and trade-backs in the, the teens of the first round. But a team that we expected to trade back, not trade up, trade back in the first round. The New England Patriots stayed pat, no pun intended, <laughs> and took Mac Jones, Big Mac, <laughs> as I like to call him. I'm sure other people call him that too. I'm not the one that gave him that nickname. Big Mac Jones. I love it. I love the pick. So the whole time, I think I might have said it in one of the videos previously. I was saying if the 49ers traded up to number three to take Mac Jones, I think that would be one of the dumbest moves I've seen in a long time. Now, I didn't say that because I think Mac Jones is bad and he can't be a quarterback in this league. I'm just someone that looks at it as you probably could have traded up to, you know, a few picks later and still gotten that guy, saved yourself some future draft capital, saved some money on signing that guy. So it wasn't anything against Mac Jones. I thought he was, I, th I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. He can be a legit guy in this league. But the 49ers passed, some in, passed on him at three, took Trey Lance instead, and he plummeted. And and that was pretty much the, the narrative. That, that's what it was going to be going into it. I think a lot of people could have told you that, even with Justin Fields falling as well. If, if those guys didn't go at three, unless someone traded up into the top ten or traded up ahead of the Patriots or Washington, like that ended up happening, 
these guys were going to fall because these other teams felt like they didn't need a quarterback. They probably didn't need a quarterback. Maybe the Eagles, if we didn't know what they were thinking at the time, we clearly learned that. But the Patriots ended up with Mac Jones at 15, thankfully. And there were, there were a lot of options that were falling on the board leading up to that pick. And the other teams ahead of the Patriots made it easy for them. You know, I heard they were going to take possibly take Elijah Vera Tucker, the guard that the Jets traded up one pick ahead of the Patriots for. Thank you, Jets. Thank you, Jets. If it wasn't for the Jets, we might have been trying to figure out how to celebrate a offensive guard on this team instead of the uh, potential franchise future quarterback. Now, the one thing that I've tried to say since the pick, like literally right when the pick was made in like group chats with my friends and people I was watching with, this isn't necessarily the best pick that the Patriots have made in a long time, especially in the first round, because that's like, you're going back to like Dante Hightower and Chandler, Chandler Jones and all that. But it's the most satisfying pick, I'd say, in a long time that the Patriots have made, especially in the first round, like I said. You wanted that franchise quarterback. You wanted that first-round quarterback that they never take, they've never taken before, and they do it. It's very satisfying. That's the best way I can put it for anyone that, that's wondering what I think about this pick. And so... Now we're thinking about the future. Mac Jones, he could take over. He could completely just take over that job starting in training camp in the spring. It's not spring training. That's Red Sox preseason leading up to the regular season. And, and who knows what happens with Cam at that point. I personally think this is going to be one of those situations where unless Cam gets injured, even if he's not playing well, maybe by week eight if he's still not playing well, they'll, they'll take him out. But they're not going to take him out. They'll see what's going on by week eight, the trade deadline, see what's good. Cam will be the starter, I think, and Mac Jones will either take over at some point at late in the season or he just won't at all this season and they'll wait till next season to see what's up with him. Because realistically, in that kind of situation, if Cam has to lose the job, because of the way he's playing, you're probably not a good team again this year, which no one wants to see, especially with the schedule that they have. But does Mac Jones make it any better this year? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? He, he could end up being like one of the, just one of those guys that just completely takes over. I'm telling you. It, it, I think this is going to be a real hit or miss pick, realistically. So we'll see how it goes. You know, there's a lot of time. Uh, this was just some nice, like, little Patriots to get in here in this video. Uh, Christian Barrymore, the second-round pick. I mean, hey, 38th overall. They traded up. Bill Belichick, I can't remember the last time he traded up in a draft and didn't trade back. I, not even just trading up. He didn't trade back. Belichick didn't trade back. That's crazy. That's crazy. I don't think I've ever seen that. So Christian Barrymore, Barmore, however you pronounce it, great. Love it. Love the pick. Defensive tackle. You needed a, a good young defensive tackle. He's from Alabama. I don't even know why he fell. I'm going to be honest with you. 
I think it's dumb. He should have been a first, late first-round pick at worst. Great pick. Great pick. Might be just as good as the Mac Jones pick. Probably not because it's a quarterback, but just as good. Ronnie Perkins, 96th overall in the third round. He was suspended uh, with his last year in college. So that's part of the reason he fell. You, you can't get enough young defensive ends if someone breaks out and you have that guy for years to come. There you go. Huge pick, in my opinion. Oklahoma, that's that's not a joke of a, of a college. Great pick. Back to Oklahoma. So Belichick went back-to-back Alabama offense and, and then defense. And then he went defense and offense back-to-back picks from Oklahoma. Another, like I said, great school. Ramondre Stevenson, running back from Oklahoma. This guy has a lot of traits of LeGarrette Blunt. for those of you that remember Blunt on the Patriots, just bulldozing people over on defense. Goal line running back, big guy. He's not, he's not the guy that'll take over for James White because I feel like Belichick always has that replacement, the pass catching back, which I don't think he has just yet on this roster, but maybe he's going to try to find him next year or through free agency or something because I don't know what the future of James White is on a one-year deal on this team. But you get that running back, you get a nice young running back, I think is a great pick. It's something you needed. Sony Michelle's just not the guy. Speaking of which, it sounds like they're not picking up Sony Michelle's fifth year option. They are picking up Isaiah Wynn's fifth year option. It's crazy that it's going to be their fourth year this year in the league already, both those guys. But um Yeah. Sony Michelle was not a good pick. Nick Chubb went after him. I can't keep I can't keep talking about that. I'm sorry. I'm I'm moving on. <laughs> Speaking of draft stuff, uh, fifth round linebacker had to get that Michigan player in there. Cameron McGrone needed to get some linebacker linebacking help. Someone they 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 filled a lot of needs. The Patriots you you, you went into this draft needed a quarterback. You needed you you didn't need a receiver necessarily, but you sh- you probably should have taken one, and they did. I'll get to that. Should have taken a running back linebacker. Someone in the secondary, either safety or corner, one of the two. You always want to sprinkle an O-line there. They they pretty much did all of that. Barrymore was more of like a nice young addition to this defense. So I don't think he's going to do too much in the first round, but or first round, first year. But we'll see. So McGrone is someone that they're hoping can help take over for Dante Hightower, whenever he's gone, which it might be this year. Juwan Bentley clearly is not the all-purpose linebacker that they were hoping he would be. So we'll see. McGrone, another another Michigan linebacker, teammates with Uche and, and Winovich. Hopefully it works out. You have Joshua Bledsoe from Missouri. It's, again, some big schools. No, You start off with Kyle Duggar last year from some random college after you traded back. And now you're taking guys from uh, these big-name schools without the trade backs, which is great. It's a sixth-round pick, but it's great. So you take the safety with Duggar last year, and you take another safety later on this year. And hopefully they'll be able to play next to each other for a while. Because, again, these guys on defense that have been here for a long time now, 10-plus years, you don't know what's good with them. 
McCourty, Devin McCourty could be gone. Dante Hightower could be gone. Patrick Chung is already gone. Who knows? So I think it's a great pick. Again, sixth round, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. You never know. But you hope that at least one of these guys can work out. William Sherman, offensive tackle later on in the sixth round. That's just some depth there. I don't think they're the hope is that he's gonna really turn anything crazy. You already have Justin Huron, Corey Cunningham. These guys, you know, they shift around. He can probably play the guard. You know how Belichick takes these offensive linemen. He can you can put them on the left side, the right side, outside, inside, whatever you want. So Colorado. That's Colorado and, and this next pick were probably where the t- the guys from two schools where they were taking small schools overall. The next one was uh, finally took the receiver in the seventh round, number 242, Trey Nixon. Love that name, Trey Nixon from Central Florida, UCF. He's a good athlete. I- I've seen a little bit of his tape since the pick. Six feet tall, 187 pounds. <clears throat> It's a depth spot. I could see him maybe being your like return guy at first, special teamer. He's not going to crack like the top receiving spots on this team. You know, you sign Nelson Aguilar, you sign Kendrick Bourne, you have the tight ends. You still have Nikhil Harry, and he's a first round pick, so former first round pick. So you're going to try to get him going still. You still have Jacoby Myers. Even Gunnar Olszewski is probably going to be ahead of this guy at first. So. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But something that I really wanted to say here, and I've already said before, not here, but in person with some people, it's just a lot of these picks were made, it seems like, with the intention of these guys not starting this year, which you can say for a lot of Patriots picks and a lot of Patriots drafts in the past, especially last year. Like I've said before, Kyle Duggar, before Patrick Chung opted out of the season, he probably wasn't going to play much at all, if really at all. And most of those guys didn't play at all last year, mainly because of their skill set, which is a different discussion, but also opportunity. This year, I don't, you know, like I said, Mac Jones probably doesn't take over right away. So you're using your first round pick on a guy that's probably sitting most of, if not all of the year. First round pick, 15th overall. Christian Barrymore, maybe he steps in, maybe he does something, but you still have Lawrence Guy, uh, Christian Gotch ahead of him. Ronnie Perkins, I don't know what he does. You still have those defensive ends that have been in the system. Chase Winovich, Dietrich Wise. You have those guys. He might do something. And Rashawn, uh, Ramonde Stevenson, he just, you know, you've seen what the, the, they do with the Patriots running backs. He doesn't, they, they don't really work them the first year. Look what happened with, with Harris. He doesn't, Belichick doesn't work these guys the first year. And then the fifth, fifth sixth, and seventh round picks, who knows? Most likely special teamers in their first year. So, like I said, these guys are probably, they're not going to contribute much their first year, if at all, as we stand right now. And But here's the difference between that and the last couple of years. You can afford it this year. Tom Brady's last year on the Patriots, when you took guys that weren't going to do much, 
in their first season. Nikhil Harry was hurt, obviously, but he didn't do much. Jawan Williams really didn't do anything. Like I said, Harris didn't do anything at running back for them their first year. I don't even think he had a snap there, as far as I can remember. So that's your first three picks. That didn't do anything. Then last year, you trade back. You take Duggar. Sure, he contributed on defense, but the, again, that wasn't the plan, clearly. Then you have the other guys, Uche and Asiasi and Dalton Keene and, and Simmons, a linebacker. These guys just really didn't do anything. And again, you needed them to be able to do something. You couldn't afford, really, in my opinion, to have guys just sitting there in a year where you're just, you just don't have a lot of talent. Now, this year, you have the talent. You signed guys. You had the most signings at free agency frenzy. It was crazy. They should be a playoff team regardless of the draft picks they made. And now you draft guys that can sit behind some of these veterans and, and work their way up. That's something that can, be, that, that can be done, that can be managed this year. So Belichick seems to do this every year. And it, this year, just, it just so happens to be okay, I guess. Whatever that means. So, I, th- I thought it was a great draft, personally. I love the talent that they got. I love that Bill Belichick didn't trade back. I love that he traded up. Did cost him two fourth-round picks, and who knows who they could have gotten there. But, hey, if you really like a guy, you go get him. Big Mac Jones. Welcome to the Patriots. <laughs> My guy. <laughs> Alabama. Prove all those haters wrong. Alabama quarterbacks don't work out. Make it. Let's let's see you be the first one, please. All right. I want all these quarterbacks to work out. I think it's awesome. Anyways, I gotta go hit the gym, so I don't want to keep everyone here too much longer. Thanks, guys. Uh, we'll be back. I don't know soon. I'm gonna be posting posting this whenever I can get it. Posting some other ones. We'll be dishing them out. Again, I'm really sorry about getting COVID and, like, having to sit here and sit on my ass and, like, not being able to do videos. I was trying to potentially do them at home, and I just didn't have the strength. So that was tough. But uh, we're back. So thank you all, and I'll see you next time. Call me Big Papa, I'm saying. I spot the